Welcome to Preschool and Beyond, a podcast where we tackle some of the most common and the most challenging issues facing preschool-age children and their families. Recording from Discovery Child Development Center is your host, Mike DeLott. Today on Preschool and Beyond, we are going to explore what it means to be academically gifted, what challenges gifted kids face, and how we best can support them. Joining us today in the studio, we have Lissy Wood. Lissy is the head of school at Wake Academy. It's a kindergarten through fifth grade school for academically gifted children in Cary, North Carolina. Lissy holds a graduate degree in instructional technology and academically gifted education. She's also served as an elementary school teacher and an AIG teacher. Uh, thanks for coming on today, Lissy. Thanks for having me. So let's start our conversation by defining what does it mean to be academically gifted? A simple definition of academically gifted is a child demonstrates exceptional talent in academics. But when you describe a gifted child, they can be gifted in other areas, not just academics. They can be gifted in music. They can be gifted in athletics. They can be artistically gifted. But specifically for academically gifted children, they demonstrate this desire, this need, this want to learn more, and this ability to exceed typically developing children in academics. So what are some of the common misconceptions we have about Mm. academically gifted children? The biggest misconception of gifted children is that they are easy students. They're easy to parent. um, They are laid back. They're go with the flow kids. And that is a huge misconception. Some of them are, but a lot of times the gifted children are often very intense They can have sensory problems or um, many have anxiety. Gifted kids have similar characteristics as typically developing children. It's just the degree at which they have it. So, for example, many kids have intensity, but the degree to which they demonstrate that is a lot higher. So, um, for example, an emotionally intense child will often have more temper tantrums or more outbursts than a typically developing child that doesn't have that degree of intensity. So no, they're not easy to parent. They're not easy in the classroom all the time. When gifted kids are in a big classroom, the noise, the sounds, the lights, the smells often um, bother them. They have a, they're very uncomfortable being in a big school, cafeteria, all that if they have sensory issues or even even if it's not diagnosed, those things can bother them. And they're, they may act out. They may misbehave. They're not always the easiest children in the classroom either. They want to learn. They need to learn. They learn at a faster pace. Often teachers aren't taught or educated in how to work with these children, how to best meet their needs. So they're no, they're not always the easiest children in the classroom to teach. Uh, I know I, when I went through my teacher program, teacher training program, we had all different types of classes. We took workshops, but we didn't have a single one on working with gifted children. And it's they are a type of special needs students. It's a different than one students who have you know significant learning delays, but the challenges are definitely there. Absolutely. So if you look at, if you think of, somebody gave me this um analogy once. If you think of an Olympic athlete, Mm -hmm. they have an innate ability, but they're also trained in how to develop that ability. Where not everybody 
has an Olympic ability. Right. I, I would love to have yeah. an Olympic ability in running, but I don't have that innate ability. So no matter how much coaching I get, I'm right. never going to get to that point of being in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Where it's the same with these kids where they have an ability that if it's coached and if it's nurtured and it, it they can excel academically, that's their gift. Right. And kind of going along with these misconceptions, academically gifted kids may not always demonstrate these gifts in the classroom. Absolutely. So there's a lot of research about underachieving gifted kids and how I believe that a lot of times it's they're put in an environment that is not suited for their needs. They're not nurtured correctly. So they just start to shut down. They start to get discouraged. Why try kind of attitude. So that's where it comes out in those grades, the CDs, mm-hmm. uh, where in all reality they are gifted and it's, it's, Finding those students are really kind of meeting their needs that can be tricky too. So yes, that is a misconception often. My mother-in-law tells a story from her family where I think it was a cousin of hers had two daughters and one of them they believed was exceptionally gifted, was doing great in school. The other one, and they were twins, was really struggling. And so she got them both tested and, you know, just to kind of confirm that one was gifted and one would need additional service in schools. And then they got the report back, and the report said, you do have a gifted daughter, but it was the one she was getting <laughs> for, tested for special yeah. needs, and the one that she thought was gifted was just came out average but was a really hard worker. Correct. Yeah. And we see that a lot with parents when we talk to them where it comes out as behavior problems in the mm-hmm. classroom or they're having, um, like you said, kind of having academic problems, but the parents really feel that there's – something else going on. So that's why I always recommend testing so Mm -hmm. parents can get the full picture because it isn't always reflected in grades. Right. And at what age do you start to see these characteristics of gifted children emerge? It's funny because I think you really start to observe them in preschool. But Mm -hmm. once parents start to observe them, you can almost always look back to how the child is as a baby and Mm -hmm. see some differences of how their behavior is as a baby. So, for example, they may hit milestones really early. They may start communicating early, um, recognizing letters and sounds early. But when they are put in a classroom with typical developing children is when you really notice that there's a difference. Mm. Um, so I think preschool is one of the main, um, one of the first times, excuse me, that you can really notice that the child is not a typically developing child. So when you do see those early signs and you start to recognize that you're going to have to find a school that matches that environment, a preschool, what sort of preschool would you recommend? What characteristics would a good preschool for a gifted child have? So I think one of the main things that you can ask when you're looking at different preschools is what flexibility do they have with their curriculum? Mm-hmm. So if their child comes in and they already know their ABCs, what flexi- what different options can the preschool offer to that child? But still stay with their grade, excuse me, their age level peers or chronological peers because there's still that social piece that's really important Mm -hmm. for these kids to have. Sometimes with Montessori schools, they offer that Mm -hmm. they offer the flexibility with the um, grouping and then finding a preschool that understands or is willing to listen to what you're saying about your child and saying they need a little something different. 
what what are you willing to do? What can you do? What services do you offer? Right. And I think that is definitely important for parents to you know, speak up and verbalize. And if you do do that testing, whether not necessarily need to do it that early, but once you do have those results, they're definitely something you're going to want to share with teachers and you know, show you know, my son or daughter. It, it can be uncomfortable, I know, because... Absolutely. <laughs> Some parents might see it as bragging or kind of obnoxious to talk about their gifted child. But in reality, if you know that child does have those specialized learning needs, just as you would if, you know, they're having trouble reading or other delays later on that you want to share. It's kind of the same concept when you're looking at special needs versus gifted in the basic thought of, The teachers need to be taught how to work with those kids. And often teachers in the public schools or in any school and the admin in these schools also are not trained in how to work with gifted kids. They're trained with special needs, but not in the needs of gifted. Uh, So, you know, one thing we do here is we are a project-based school, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great way for uh, academically gifted children to explore those natural curiosities Um, you know, we can project. So if we're doing a project on pizza, you might have some kids working on counting the slices. You might have others that are adding and subtracting. You might have some that are ready for fractions. Right. Uh, so that's the nice thing. And they can ask questions and find answers. But I think a lot of parents aren't always aware when your child is especially gifted at the elementary school level, they won't necessarily be able to make those accommodations. We're smaller than right. a school. Right. And so... Now, when they make that move on to elementary school, you know, you're going to want to find a school in a learning environment that is going to support them. Uh, one option is a school like Wake Academy, where you have teachers who are specifically trained to work with gifted students. For other families where that's not an option, what should they be looking for in a school? It sounds kind of controversial to some people, but I think testing your pre-K student or even if they're in kindergarten, first grade is a very valuable tool for parents. It gives them the information of what are my strengths and weaknesses for my children, for my child? What can I ask for mm-hmm. in, at, at the school level? I mean, it also provides documentation yes. to the school mm-hmm. of those gifts that the child has. It really provides data. I think for the parent, it also, when the child is tested, it also provides the parent with information of, is there any underlying symptoms, I guess, Mm -hmm. of gifted, such as anxiety, perfectionism, any of those that maybe the psychologist could also pick up on that would help the child feel successful in school. So for example, if the parent understands the child is having this severe anxiety, What strategies can they do? What can the school do to help accommodate that? Because anxiety does often come with being gifted. So I'm a big proponent for getting that testing Mm -hmm. done to provide the documentation because often these kindergarten classrooms or first grade classrooms, the teachers are not trained in how to work with these kids. Mm -hmm. So the more information the parent can provide, then the better chance of getting some of those services. Also with that data, they can ask the administration and talk to central office about getting some additional services for the child because there's limited, but there are some things they can do in the school system. Right. And I think communication with the teacher is really key. Uh, You want to approach them in a respectful 
way, you know, don't just say my child's really bored, but let them know they're a unique learner. If you have that documentation or you know things have worked well with your child in the past, it's great to share that with the teacher. For example, if your child is gifted in math, there are a number of different websites that offer math challenges for kids. You could ask about using one of those or going up to an older grade for math if the school allows it or a special project that incorporates higher level math. Another thing the parent can ask for is if the child's bringing home homework Mm -hmm. and it's homework that is on skills that the child has already mastered and Mm -hmm. proven they've mastered. The the parent can ask the teacher, can I have something different? Can I work with them on a little more challenging problems or even logic puzzles these kids love? So anything like that would still spark that interest with kids. Often with gifted kids, when they see topics that are repeated over and over again, which typically developing children need to see it over and over again, it frustrates the gifted child. So some of that the parents can also advocate for. Great. So a lot of learning happens outside the classroom and you're going to be want to engage your children when they're not Mm -hmm. in school. So for a preschooler that has this high level of natural curiosity, what are some things parents can do to continue to develop that and foster? You know, it it totally depends on the kid and what they, what their natural curiosity is. So for example, my son's natural curiosity was, nature, bugs, mm-hmm. animals. So what we really worked hard on at, at home was not let's sit down and read all these books and and, and talk all, mm-hmm. but it was more where in our area can we provide him some experiences yes. that gives him, it kind of helps quench that curiosity in a way. Mm-hmm. And so we enrolled him in different camps, different afternoon sessions where he can, he could be in nature and learn more about that. Um, some parents, their child is really into math. So just through natural discussion, they would, right. they would foster that again. It doesn't need to be a worksheet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be, let's sit down and do this workbook. That's never something I recommend with yes. these kids. Um, but it's okay. We're going up to a skyscraper and there's 10 floors. If there's 10 steps for between each floor, how many would you have all together? It's that constant conversation you can have with your child that includes math and fosters that curiosity without having to do a worksheet or workbook. Right. So we often get questions from parents about how much should I be pushing my young child? And we want them to be exploring these natural curiosities and developing these talents, but we also want them to enjoy learning and be excited about it and not be stressed. I am. It's a very strange question to answer sometimes because Mm -hmm. with gifted kids, they really want to learn. They really want that. So in one sense, parents aren't necessarily pushing it. If the child's asking for it and wanting more and needing more, it's pushing it when you're begging the child to sit down and work on this and you're saying, okay, yeah. you, you understand multiplication. Now let's get to division and they want to go play outside. Yeah. You know, that's, that's when you're pushing it. I think another thing that we often do as parents is we over schedule these mm-hmm. kids and it's easy to do as a parent. You want to provide all these experiences for them and all these activities and mm-hmm. you want them to learn piano and soccer and all these different things. But gifted kids need to really learn how to focus on a few things. And I think as parents, 
kind of trimming that back a little bit and not over Right. And it can be hard because gifted kids are interested in so many different yes. things to find that yes. right direction. Yes. And the other point you made too, definitely it should come from them. You don't want to develop that stress Absolutely. from learning to have them, you know, already have an attitude where it's causing them to be anxious. I think one of the main things is just exactly like you said, is kind of play off the child. Mm-hmm. You're their parent not their teacher in that sense. Like uh, let them be pushed at school, Mm -hmm. but encourage them at home and kind of cultivate some of those curiosities, but not in a worksheet kind of way, not in a way that the teacher will at school. So for example, I told my son's preschool teacher, um, we don't work on academics at home, Mm -hmm. which is crazy for a teacher to say that. But I said, unless he asks for it, I said, that's your job. You you work on the ABCs with him, and at home I'll work on taking him to the nature classes and teaching teaching him some of those skills right. that he really wants to learn outside of school stuff. So that's what I always say to people. Yeah, that's good advice. So many times we hear that gifted students have asynchronous development, mm-hmm. and so what does that word mean, and how can we support children with this? Yeah, asynchronous is exactly what how it sounds. It's not synchronous. So for your typically developing child, their cognitive, their social, their physical development all kind of develops at the same rate mm-hmm. as an average rate. Where with gifted children, often you see, especially academically gifted children, you'll see their academics at one level. So if they're five, their academics might be at seven or eight. And sometimes their social or their physical may be even lower right. than their chronological peers. So that asynchronous, it's not in a constant line or not in the average developing line and it can be really tricky for parents and even educators to sometimes we as working with gifted students at our school we have to sometimes sit back and say they're only six they may be doing algebra yeah but they're still six and they're still learning how to be friends exactly and they may have a tantrum all of a sudden you're acting like a two-year-old and you're like but you were just a 16-year-old a minute ago. And I think sometimes it's even harder for preschool parents because exactly like you just said, they may be sitting down reading a book like a kindergartner, but then turn around and pitch a fit over what is on their plate for dinner or you know, right. their shoes aren't tied the right way or something that yeah. an average preschooler would throw a tantr- temper tantrum about, even though you were just sitting there discussing a yes. chapter book with them. It can be confusing to parents. Yes. And- Tricky. And I heard um, I've heard people say that it's like having a child who's multiple ages at the same time. It absolutely is. Yes, and and we also see the physical side underdeveloped. So we had a kindergartner last year that easily worked in third grade level academics, but she could not tie her shoe or button very right. easily. So it's sometimes it's those fine motor skills that are very lower than the average too that can can show up with asynchronous development. So I think for parents, it's sometimes taking a step back and remembering there's still five or there's still three, you know, even though they may be doing these academic stuff or having this large vocabulary or able to carry on these conversations with adults, there's still three. Yes. So where can parents go to connect with other parents of gifted children? It is hard sometimes as parents to sit down with other parents and say, listen to what Johnny did today. He read a chapter book and he's only two or, you know, whatever it might be. So finding that core group of support can be really difficult because it's not accepted to talk about. We often refer parents to page of Wake County 
is a, is one of the main um, organizations in this area. And that's pagepage.org, I believe, off the top of my head. And that's an organization for partners of Academically Gifted, but it's mainly parents that are part of this group. That's where I found a lot of people that I can talk to. There's a Triangle Parents of Gifted Children mm-hmm. Facebook page. Um, again, the, the page organization of Wake County has a Facebook page. So finding some of those um, social media outlets is a great way to find other people that also have gifted kids that may also be facing some of the same challenges. Or they may have already entered kindergarten and have done some of that research or figured out how to get their child services that you could contact and say, hey, what did you do? Right. Yeah. And that would be great before they're about to start. Correct. And you realize you have um, a gifted child that you're going to need to get that support. Talking to other people, I think, is definitely a great idea. And for your preschool, excuse me, your preschool parents, they're probably doing a lot of research looking for what kind of school is the best school for our child. And so talking put a lot of times on those Facebook pages, somebody will post, Hey, I live in Morrisville. Any good recommendations? That's another way that people have found um, other parents. And those connections are not only great for parents, but also can help children find like-minded peers. All right. And that brings us to our final segment of our show, the show and tell. So um, this is where our guests will share either a recommendation or tip, advice for parents. So, Lissy, do you have a show and tell for us? I think the one tip that I have for parents of gifted children is to take a deep breath yourself <laughs> and to remember you can have so much fun with these kids. They are very inquisitive. They're very curious. And just like we talked about before, figuring out how to find activities that you can enjoy together and that the the child really learns and really gets and has fun with. And you do too. I think that's one of the the main things I would give to parents. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You can learn more about Lissy and Wake Academy at www.wakeacademyes.org or on Facebook, facebook.com slash wakeacademyes. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and remember to tell a friend. We'll see you next week.